Blog Talk Radio. Doesn't happen on May fifth. 
Yes, and I want to make this clear. That's just my opinion. I have no inside sources. I have no deep throat. Just based on the history and also the reality of the situation, I've said for years the Nevada Commission is not there to ensure the safety and, and fair play and the health of the prize fighters. It's there to ensure the health and the vitality of the hotel and casino business. Now, if you look at the Cinco de Mayo weekend, <laughs> it's one of the biggest weekends for all of boxing and the 702. There's a reason why for the past, what, 15 to 20 years, that two certain dates centering around Mexican holidays that a lot of Mexicans don't even admit is a real Mexican holiday, at least in Mexico, uh, one of them at least is quote-unquote a fake holiday based on beer companies. I actually did a story on that about seven years ago. And so Cinco de Mayo and the Mexican Independence Day weekend is this two landmarks where the casinos and the fight promoters and the cable companies and everyone else involved in these big pay-per-views, they all earmark that as financial and economic landmarks that they absolutely positively will put a show on that date, and they all expect to cash in. Now, Canelo Golovkin, too, did very, very good business. The assumption is, so will the rematch. It's almost like the Transformer series, that no matter how many sequels you do, it is basically a cash-printing operation. I, I just have a hard time believing that they're going to kibosh it. And Gabe, not to go Asian Oliver Stone... But I'm going to come up with a conspiracy theory. If this test was found out four or five weeks ago, and then they have this ruling now, this past Friday, and now they're not going to expedite Canelo Alvarez coming into the commission, but he's going to come in April 10th, which at that point is less than a month away. Well, in my view, that takes away the ability of Gennady Golovkin and Tom Loeffler, really, to get themselves a contingency plan. So it almost locks them in to May 5th. And if it's going to be May 5th in Las Vegas, I think it can only be a Canelo Alvarez fight. As I said in my column today for UCN Live, I am righteously cynical. Yeah, it, it really does seem like they're, they're skewing towards the A side. And, and May 5th is a, is a real holiday. It, it, uh, it commemorates uh, the Mexican army beating the French uh, at the Battle of Puebla on uh, May 5th, 1862. But uh, it doesn't mean we all go, you know where we should be right now? Las Vegas. <laughs> uh, it's, it's been kind of co-opted. I think when, when Oscar was, was the top draw, that's, that's really, uh, I, I think Bob, you know, had May and September as his dates. Uh, and, uh, you know, this thing, it's always skewed towards the A side. That's the sport. I mean, I'm reading about the beginnings of the sport right now and, and it's transitioned to the modern age. And it was always skewed towards the guy that brings more money. Um, I'm just really curious what this hearing is going to be like after watching the John Jones hearing uh, just recently. Uh, I, I'm hoping that Canelo doesn't show up and say, well, all these other times I tested negative or, you know, guys, it's just me using the, uh, you know, the Antonio Tarver defense. Um, he's got to come with something more than this. And, uh, even just the, the history of clombuteral positives uh, that were exonerated because of contaminated meat, like the, you know, the, the Mexican team, uh, how, you know, that, how, how they, they did it, and there was, there was other athletes as well. I want to see more from him. Uh, there, was, there was a guy that I respect on the Internet this, this last weekend, uh, the right for bad left hook, or maybe it's bloody elbow, 
Um, he covers PEDs for them, uh, and mainly weight cutting, I think, is, is really his expertise. Um, he doesn't seem to believe in the hair test, but, uh, you know, there was an athlete, a table tennis player that I, I cited this back in 2016. He used the hair test not to just completely exonerate himself, but to show the commission that he was willing to do whatever test it was to show that he was innocent. Uh, he was willing to expose himself and show that maybe he was using other drugs. Um, I think Canelo needs to do that, at least to help build his case. Uh, I haven't heard hide nor hair of, uh, of, uh, of them doing the, t- the, the test, but you know, I'm not exactly super close to the, the Canelo camp. So I'm not sure what their defense is going to be or if they've, who they've hired as their lawyer um, you know, to, to represent them. It's going to be, like you said, it, this is kind of part of the promotion. I, I can't help but wonder, is this going to affect the numbers if the fight goes ahead and, and everybody just thinks this is a kangaroo court, uh, this hearing on April 10th? Gabe, if he is cleared and exonerated, or at least rubber-stamped the fight on May 5th, I don't think much was lost. At the end of the day, if, if you look at the news cycle and you see what stories have gone viral in boxing the past <laughs> three to four weeks, it has been May 5th. And there is that yeah. old philosophy. There's no such thing as bad publicity. Go back to when that Monday, I think it was March 5th, Deontay Wilder's big victory over Louis Ortiz was the big story till about noon on that Monday when Golden Boy put out that press release saying, oops, mm-hmm. <laughs> our guy tested hot. And then guess what? Deontay Wilder became an afterthought. Then you have the new <laughs> – Gennady Golovkin has become Takate. He's much bolder in his comments. <laughs> and then all of a sudden that picked up a lot of traction. That was an eye-opener. Then on Friday – Tom Loeffler and Eric Gomez are summoned to Las Vegas, and the temporary suspension was put on. That became a big story. Go back to last summer, Gabe. Six weeks before September 16th, the date of the first fight, you couldn't even get Oscar De La Hoya to stop talking about Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. This time around, again, it's not all positive, but a lot more is being written about this fight from the same period out. And if you, if you have to restart the promotion from a television standpoint in terms of graphics and marketing materials and all that other stuff that goes along with it, let's be honest. And, and Evan Rokowski, who I know is very legitimate, will tell you over 90% of the pay-per-view buys happen in the last 96 hours. In other words, nobody pre-orders a pay-per-view like a season ticket package to the L.A. Rams. So what is really lost? Now, the ticket market might be affected, but that's because maybe they're holding back tickets, and Jim Boone can talk about that a little bit more. But I do want to uh, focus in on this before Tom Loeffler gets on. Gennady Golovkin, from what I take it, wants this fight, but he also wants to have his pound of flesh verbally. Gabe, as far as I'm concerned, he is the aggrieved party. He had suspicions of the first fight. I actually heard people say, well, if he had suspicions that Canelo was dirty the first fight, he should have said it then. People, you are jumping the shark and get off his nutsack. He has every right to complain. He has every right to bitch and moan. And just because he has said, yeah, I'll fight on because I have a contract and it's a lot of money, does not preclude him from a freedom of expression. There's nothing that says that I know of. Well, Gennady, if you go on with this fight, you have to go with the Golden Boy Canelo party line. Uh, Gabe, I'm sorry. I know people are Canelo fans, but I have to tell you, that is not fan dumb. That is fan dumb. D U M B. 
Yeah, there's no question. I mean, you know, in this country, we, we have the, the right to free speech. And this guy, he signed a contract. Of course he's not going to say what, you know, I've got suspicions this guy's using. They're going to be doing VADA testing. He's hoping that, you know, that, that, that this works, that works out for him. It's a safeguard, although, you know, an argument can be made that when a guy knows the testing's coming, uh, it, it kind of negates the idea of testing. I've said this since 2010. Um, but the guy got caught, you know, after the contracts were signed. After, you know, Gennady, this we shouldn't even be having this rematch because it was not that close of a fight. And, they're, you know, Gennady won, but he lost on the judges' scorecard. So already he's got a sour taste in his mouth about this whole thing. Uh, the, you know, the, the rematch should have been more on his terms as the winner of the bout. Instead, of, you know, he's got to go back to the drawing board here and, and kind of submit yet again to this guy. Uh, so, you know, if you see things, to me, you know, when I talk to guys, you know, uh, uh, off the record, so many fighters seem to intimate to me that, that and just people in the business, that it's a lot dirtier than people realize and that everybody kind of knows it's dirty. I mean, for many years, uh, I was kind of told, I was point blank told by a promoter, nobody cares about this issue. You're wasting your time. Give up. Um, you know, and then I got his fighter into 365 testing uh, shortly after. But, uh, you know, still, how many other guys have done it? Edwin Rodriguez and Donera, the only guys that are really submitted to it. People have joined up in the, the, the CB, uh, the clean boxing program. Uh, but, we're finding out that they're not everybody's getting tested uh, and they're not get, the guys that are getting tested, aren't getting tested that often. Uh, we got to tighten that net, but, but back to Gennady, it's absolutely his right. Canelo's jeopardizing millions of dollars. Uh, this guy's been putting in all the effort to get to this point in his career. And, and Canelo would put it in jeopardy by whether he ate a bad steak or he was doping either way. Uh, he's putting Gennady and his money in, in jeopardy. Of course I would be pissed off. And of course you're going to say something and start, pulling a Pat Riley or a Phil Jackson, pointing out the things that, you know, you couldn't say before, but now you can speak freely because the, the door has been wide open by these two positive tests. I actually I had someone on Instagram say about Gennady's comments, he's taking the rematch by saying all this stuff. And I'm just like, well, let me get this straight there, partner. It's not the guy who tested positive that's tainting the fight. It's the other guy with these comments tainting the fight. This is yeah. what I call willful ignorance and stupidity. I, yeah. I mean, just look at the logic. These are probably the same type of people that get upset at Ronald Goldman for calling Orenthal James Simpson a murderer. Uh, again, mm. you could make the argument that if Gennady Golovkin is really about clean sport – that he would make a stand by walking away from the fight. I'm not going to even argue that point. I think there's some validity to it, except that everyone's pointing out to me now that he has a contract. So contracts, last I checked, unless you're Andre Ward, are kind of binding, and you should live up to them. Okay, <laughs> but there's nothing in that clause that I know of that says, oh, but in the event that Canelo tests positive for drugs, um, Gennady has to be a good boy. Okay? He's, yeah. There's I, nothing you know, that says you give up your First Amendment rights if the other guy breaks a rule. Now, do I think he should yeah. be calling the judges terrorists? It's a terrible choice of words. Do I think he needs to bring up Oscar De La Hoya being dirty? Again, I don't know what that has to do with the price of carne asada in Mexico, but the guy is right. venting, okay? And it makes for good copy. It does. And he's, you know, he's a fighter, you know? I mean, 
Yeah, I thought the the, the terrorist thing and, and the Oscar comments is like, you know, yeah. Oscar's not feeding the guy steak. <laughs> Yeah, and by the way, uh, yeah, Adelaide Bird is suspicious. I, I don't think she's with ISIS or Al Qaeda. Okay, in her defense. Anyway, not an enemy combatant. She's just a, a blind judge. <laughs> now, is Tom Loeffler on the line there, Gabe? Uh, oh, let me let me double check. What's that prefix? I didn't. Three one zero. Okay, let me go through. The phone lines have blown way up, and so I have to scroll through here yet. Anyway, as Gabe Montoya looks for Tom Loeffler, again, you're listening to the next round on the Leave It in the Ring radio network of David Duenas. I'm your co-host, Steve Kim, joined by Gabriel Montoya. Gabe, what's up? Uh, no, uh, no 310 yet. Not yet. Okay, hold on. We'll keep waiting for him. Uh, I'm going to send him a reminder text uh, just so he gets in. And by the way, again, if the fight does not happen, which I think would be a pretty major upset, I don't believe Gennady or Tom Loeffler logistically can really put on a representative fight for May 5th. It, it, let's say they do get B.J. Saunders. Let's say that that deal is somehow consummated with Frank Warren. I think realistically, and I know he's going to hate this because it really may just box him into two fights this year, it just seems to me that fight would have to take place in June, Gabe. Yeah, and uh, what about Demetrius Andre? He says he's ready. <laughs> he says a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. Well, it's like nobody wanted to buy his his current fight, and so now you're ready for pay per view, and to capitalize on somebody else's hard work. Uh, I, I just kind of shook my head. That career is uh, the milk's going bad. You know, uh, he needs to get something going, some consistency. Still no Tom. I'm just scrolling up and down until he, until he calls. Okay, well, anyway, moving on, well, we, we've got plenty of time to talk to him. This is a 90-minute show going all the way up to 9 p.m. Eastern time. Gabe, this Saturday from Cardiff, Wales, for the IBF and WBA heavyweight title, Anthony Joshua takes on Joseph Parker. Gabe, I don't know. I think Parker's a good, tough, small fighter, but I do think size matters. I like Anthony Joshua between round six and eight to score a stoppage. Yeah, I, I you know I wonder I, I was went, went back and looked at uh, Parker's last couple fights. Now I know in that interim since his last fight, he's had uh, uh, elbow surgeries that have uh, apparently brought the snap back and maybe added some power to his punches. He's no longer in pain every time he throws a punch, uh, and therefore it ends up having one of the best camps he's had in years, according to his team. Uh, the guy's fighting for everything, you know. He's, he's uh, fighting for a better life for his family, although. You know, with a seven, I think it's seven million pounds uh, salary, uh, he, he's already changed his life at this point. Uh, I, I think he's going to give a, a tough fight. I think it at least goes ten. It could end up going the distance. I like his mobility, his ability to kind of stick and move if he needs to. Uh, I, what worries me about Parker is, uh, is uh, when he's fresh and when he's tired, he keeps his hands way low. Uh, to me, this is a classic fight against a guy that has his own style. Uh, freestyles a little bit of off-traditional off boxing and Joseph Parker versus a guy that's more of a classic uh, upright boxer puncher and Anthony Joshua. Uh, my problem with Joshua is that he gets a little tired of taking deep, uh, and when he gets hurt, he seems to get very hurt, um, and as we saw in the Klitschko fight. Uh, he does recover, as we also saw in that fight. Uh, but, you know, I, I would say I'm going to go with the chalk, but I do think it's going to be a very competitive fight. But I expect Joshua in, like, round 10 uh, to, to stop him. Uh, or to take a, a very close competitive decision uh, on his home soil. 
Anthony Joshua, his last bout with Carlos Takam, weighed in at 254. Joseph Parker in his last outing was 245, and both guys, quite frankly, looked heavy. It would not surprise me, Gabe, if each man came in 7 to 10 pounds lighter. That's just a gut feel. I think Parker's mm-hmm. actually spoken about being a little bit more mobile, agile, hostile. But Anthony Joshua, you're right, he looks like a Hulk. He looks like he's chiseled out of stone. But but in his last fight, he did look a little bit bulky. It was like almost too much of a good thing, and there is that phrase, less is more. But it should be an interesting fight. Heavyweights that are still above 230, one punch can change things immeasurably. And we have seen with Anthony Joshua more than once, he is certainly buzz a bull. Gabe, Dillian White, TKO6, Lucas Brown. <laughs> Lucas Brown looked terrible physically. Forget this performance. Just his body, just his energy level, just his body language, that was awful, really. It reminded me of that Adam Sandler bit that he used to do, the uh, severe beating of a high school janitor. Uh, Yeah, this was like the severe beating of an ex-bouncer. Wow. I mean, uh, you know, it made me think of something is that, you know, particularly at this level, shouldn't there be some sort of fitness test? Like we should, somebody should go into the camps and see if a guy's going to show up with you know well, the Michelin man you know, around his waist. Yeah, but you know what? Listen, at, at the heavyweight level, like the WBC doesn't even do the 30-day weigh-in or the checkups. I, and again, that that unfortunately with the heavyweights, there is an unlimited weight that you can hit. And as George Allen would say, to paraphrase that, or was once said about George Allen, <laughs> he exceeded an unlimited budget. Uh, Gabe, check the queue again. Tom Loeffler says he him. is waiting. Okay, I got him. Uh, Tom, are you there? Gabe Montoya, how are you? I'm doing well, Tom. How are you? I'm doing good. Tom, what? welcome aboard. I know you've been bombarded with the questions over May 5th, so let's, let's back that up a little bit, Tom. Let's do a change-up. Tomorrow night, Hollywood Fight Night begins at the Avalon. Tom, you've been a part of a lot of big shows, some international shows, pay-per-view cards. Now you're kind of going to the grassroots. How's that been dealing at that level of boxing after being at this Gennady Golovkin level and the Klitschko level the last, let's say, 15 years of your life? You know, Steve, the very first show that we ever promoted was at the Staples Center on HBO uh, Vitaly Klitschko fighting for the heavyweight championship of the world um, with uh, <laughs> broadcasting over 100 different countries. So, you know, we've always encouraged uh, to have local fighters on the shows that we've done and now uh, looking to sign uh, different fighters. Uh, Brian Sabayo, we just signed. And uh, these are the type of shows in between the HBO shows that we do. These are the type of shows that will keep guys like uh, – Brian, you know, building uh, him up, Brian Sabalo, or uh, Ryan Martin is the headline of the show. Uh, he broke his finger in the last, the last fight on the Triple G Canelo show in September. And uh, so this is be his uh, first fight after, the, uh, after he healed up. And then Sergey Boachuk is a 6-0 with six knockouts. He's trained by Abel Sanchez. So it's going to be a fun night. Freddie Roach is going to be there. It's going to be like a who's who of trainers. Is, uh, Freddie, Freddie Roach is going to be there. Abel Sanchez is going to be there. Henry Ramirez is going to be there. Buddy McGirt is going to be there. It's going to be uh, hmm. Ben Lira. It's going to be a great, uh, a great show tomorrow night. Tom, when did you make the decision to form your own company? Because you've been so closely tied with the Klitschko brothers and K2 and then obviously Triple G promotions. When did 360 really become something you said, okay, let's do this? Well, this gives me the flexibility to uh, – 
to sign different fighters, uh, to take some financial risk and, uh, you know, do these type of shows. Um, you know, things that, uh, you know, the Klitschko's were definitely uh, focused on their career, and, and it was a tremendous run with them. I mean, I consider them like brothers, um, you know, really growing up with Vitaly and, and Vladimir and, and uh, uh, you know, meeting on the on the promotional side. Uh, we formed uh, the company together, and, uh, you know, we've promoted the most heavyweight championship fights this century. I mean, that's a huge statement for um, for the heavyweight uh titles and then uh, you know the success we had with triple g the success uh with chocolatito and uh, you know fighter a lot of fighters were contacting me and now this uh, gives me the vehicle to um to branch out and and do this while at the same time you know k2 still promotes Usyk, one of the best fighters in the world uh cecilia Brekus is with the k2 and and they have uh you know a number of fighters in, in ukraine that they do uh on, on the ukrainian shows and then, uh, you know, Triple G, um, I think that's what you were alluding to before. But, uh, you know, the Triple G promotions is, is focused on uh, Triple G's career, although a lot of fighters from Kazakhstan are uh, contacting him in order to uh, to work with them. So uh, it's, it's exciting times. We're just trying to build on the success we had in, uh, you know, overall in the sport of boxing in 2017. You know, we saw, we saw Vladimir fighting uh, Anthony Joshua at a sold-out uh, Wembley Stadium. We had the uh, third highest uh, gate in boxing history with Triple G and Canelo in September. We did the uh, Danny Jacobs uh, Triple G fight at a sold-out Madison Square Garden. So, you know, we're going from those events to uh, just a real fun show at the Hollywood uh, Hollywood Fight Nights at the Avalon. It's Hollywood Vine, and and literally the boxing show is going to turn into a nightclub afterwards. We're going to take the chairs off the dance floor. The booths are going to stay there, the VIP booths, and it's going to turn into the dance club. It'll be a fun night uh, all the way around. Gabe? Ah, dancing with Freddie Roach. That's, uh, that should be exciting. He's uh, <laughs> <laughs> a party animal. <laughs> no, that's a great no, venue. The copy girls, uh, Gabe, Gabe, the copy girls are going to be dancing in the ring after uh, after the show's over. So it's going to be I'm a married man, fun. Tom. <laughs> that's all right. You can, look, you can watch it on Ring TV. <laughs> RingTV.com. It'll be streamed. I was actually going to yeah, ask you about that. Uh, yeah. Uh, you guys have it on, on Ring TV stream and, and uh, sticking with kind of the cutting edge of, of boxing promotion. Where, where do you see streaming going for individual promoters uh, going forward? Do you, do you foresee you guys going into kind of a UFC model at some point, or will you keep it free like this for the developmental cards? You know, I'm, I'm a big believer of streaming. Uh, you know, when you can watch uh, boxing on your phone, if you're at a bar or if you're at a restaurant or, or, you know, somewhere where you don't have access to a, to a TV or even a hotel room. And, and uh, that particular channel doesn't come in and you can watch it on your phone or your tablet or, or your computer. It just, uh, I think that's really the future of uh, boxing, especially with the uh, social media now that's uh, really fueling, you know, interest in, uh, in boxing and, and, uh, and especially reaching a worldwide audience is ring TV. It's not geoblocked anywhere. So anyone in the world, can uh, log on and and uh, and watch it, and, and we're real happy with the, the partnership. This naturally was, you know, leading up to the to the Triple G Canelo fight uh, on May five. It's one of the events along with Golden Boy that we've been doing. You know, they've been doing a lot of ESPN shows. We did the Superfly show um, last month at the Forum, and uh, uh, you know, this was just one more in a series of shows promoting uh, promoting that fight. Uh- 
I always wondered, you know, why is it that you, did you grow up in Europe? What is your background that's one that got you into boxing, but that has you so kind of European focused in the fighters that you represent? Uh, that's a good question, Dave. Actually, you know, I, born, I was born and raised here in, in L.A. My parents were both born in Germany. They met here in Los Angeles. But, you know, I grew up, went to school, uh, lived in L.A. all my life. I grew up in the Valley and then uh, I've been living in Santa Monica now for the last uh, last 20 years. But, um, you know, the first fighter I ever signed was uh, uh, Kevin Kelly from New York and then Obakar from Detroit. So a lot, of, a lot of people thought I was a New York guy because uh, I was at the Garden a lot and we promoted some shows there. If you remember the the great uh, Hamed uh, Kelly fight uh, in Madison oh, yeah. Square Garden, that was one of the best uh, fights that I can remember. Uh, I didn't promote that show. That's when I was managing fighters. But um, and then uh, you know just working with Shane Mosley, got him his first title shot on uh, on HBO. Then Ed Mahone from the Forum. And uh, then what happened was uh, when Ed Mahone, uh, I worked out the uh, world title fight for him. He went to Germany, fought Vitaly Klitschko. And um, proceeded to get knocked out in the third round. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, Ed, Ed was a big puncher, but uh, you know, Vitaly was uh, you know really unbeatable at that time. And uh, I developed a relationship with Vitaly, and he knew I I was doing some work with Muhammad Ali. We, my background in sports uh, came about when uh, I was working in a, with a sports agency representing a lot of retired athletes, Joe Namath, Sandy Koufax, a lot of the top name guys, but. Obviously, the biggest name athlete they were working with was Muhammad Ali. So through Ali, we signed a few fighters. And then, uh, you know, like I said, Kevin Kelly was the first one. But then uh, when when I met uh, Vitaly in Germany, you know, I always try to keep a good relationship, whether, you know, we're on the opposite side or the same side. I always try to get, keep a good relationship, you know, with the opponents. And um, I told Vitaly, if you want to come to L.A. and meet uh, meet Ali, you know, we can set that up. And he did. And, uh, you know, uh, we developed a friendship after that. And then he was unhappy with his German promoter, coincidentally the same promoter that Triple G had uh, when he when he signed professional. But um, after about a hmm. three year three years of a developing relationship with Vitaly, then um, you know we formed K2, and and the rest is history. That was a year after our first fight was a year after that classic fight that Vitaly had with Lennox Lewis. So um, you know from Vitaly and Vladimir from Ukraine, and then we signed uh, Triple G. From Kazakhstan, then uh, you know that's why you know I just really have a uh, reputation with the international fighters. And we did so many events over in Europe, um, you know, Moscow and Poland. We sold sold out all those uh, venues, um, and you know, numerous fights in Germany. But uh, yeah, my roots are here in uh, in Los Angeles. Yeah, Tom. For the record, you're a Matador. You went to Cal State Northridge, so it's all, all this right. talk of you going to the University of Amsterdam or Germany just that's not really <laughs> true. Tom, in terms of the fight night, um, the Hollywood fight night, how many shows do you think you're going to do? Let's say for the year of 2018, and then moving forward. You know, for this year, probably uh, uh, two or three more shows. Again, just to keep the guys busy in between. Uh, the HBO shows we're doing. I've been talking to Peter Nelson of HBO to do a Superfly 3 show in September. Um, naturally, the, uh, uh, the hopefully the, the Canelo uh, Triple G fight here in, in May or, you know, just depending on the status of that, uh, that suspension. But, you know, in between those shows and then uh, uh, looking at expanding it, uh, you know, to a few more shows uh, uh, next year. So it's just a, it's just a fun vehicle to, uh, to keep these guys busy, to build, build guys up and, uh, and, um, you know, just, uh, create some marketable guys. Brian Ceballo, if you, 
you talk to him or, uh, you know, listen to him, listening to him talk or, or, or his smile. He's just a really entertaining, really entertaining guy. Tom, is it harder to put on a show like tomorrow night or is it much more work to do a pay-per-view show like May 5th? <laughs> I'll tell you, with all the logistics of these uh, smaller shows, it really, it really is challenging. I mean, you know, when we go to the Forum or, you know, Madison Square Garden or T-Mobile, you know, they have full staffs that uh, do all the production and the security and the ushers and everything like that. With the with the smaller venues, you got to organize everything yourself. And you know, with the with the Ring TV, you know, luckily, you know, they're professionals, so they have everything uh, under control there. But uh, uh, you know, it's it, it's a lot it's a lot of work to put these shows on. But uh, it'll be it'll give the fans a real close up experience. You know, uh, sitting right right on the edge of the ring. And uh, there's still some ringside seats available. Um, I forgot to mention it's on 360promotions.us. There, there's a fully interactive uh, seating chart. Um, and there, there's also, you know, so, um, you know, that, that, that's the best way to go. Or uh, at the box office tomorrow. We'll, we'll have tickets available at the box office at the Avalon tomorrow. Tom, how did you decide on the Avalon as your, as your venue for this series? You know, I was looking at doing something in Hollywood because uh, we we do have a lot of celebrities that uh, that are just interested in boxing, and and this is uh, this just seemed to be a, a great size, a great layout of the venue. It's a very historic building, built in 1926. Uh, Jerry Lewis actually performed there. He had a residency there. They built <laughs> actually built a an apartment there at the Avalon Theater because uh, he spent so much time there. But uh, it's very historic. But it's a beautiful building on the inside, and again, I think it's one of these venues. <laughs> that the fans are really going to appreciate uh, the interaction with the fighters. You know, the fighters, we're going to encourage them to to, uh, to go out, meet the fans, sign autographs, take pictures. So this will be really a close-up look at, uh, you know, these fighters, uh, talking to them after they fight. And, you know, you see some interviews on TV, but it's going to be completely different when, uh, you know, when they're actually mingling with the crowd. It'll be it'll be a great, uh, great interaction. Gabe? Uh, I guess one thing that would make a, putting together a club show easier as opposed to a pay-per-view is that the club shows don't have pre-fight testing. Um, are you surprised by how uh, Gennady, just to switch topics really fast, uh, how outspoken he was? I mean, I remember reading a, it was an interview with him that was translated from Russian, and then Steve did a, a similar interview uh, where he really got a, a, more of a sense of his personality than ever before. And it was a little... Uh, maybe not meaner is the word, but a little more business-like, a little more harsh uh, than than people really expected from the guy that smiles and says, good boy. Uh, were you surprised that he kind of came out uh, with guns blazing? No, I think, look, he was in the middle of training camp. We had a media day up there, and, uh, you know, I think he was still, you know, uh, still, you know, frustrated over the decision that he got last time. Um, you know, naturally, anytime they, there's a positive test, that's a, you know, I know you're one of the guys that, uh, you know, thinks it's a very positive, uh, very, uh, very serious situation. Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think everything coming together, he just, uh, when the media kept asking him, well, what do you think and, and what are you going to do and that type of thing, he just kind of kind of lashed out. And, uh, you know, I mean, for the promotion, <laughs> all of his quotes and then Canelo's uh, Instagram posts uh, the next day, I mean, it was really, it was really building uh, fire. And, uh, you know, we, we we were at a point where we were almost sold out. We we exceeded the gate that we did uh, for the first fight when we set the third highest uh, gate in uh, in boxing history. 
And, uh, you know, I'd say the gloves are off on, on this rematch now. Um, you can see, you know, the first the first uh, fight, there was a mutual respect. There was, uh, what should I say, you know, just kind of like they were going through the motions, promoting the fight. But, but now I think the fans can see this, is, uh, this has become where Gennady feels uh, he was wronged with that decision, with that draw. And, um, and uh, you know, Canelo feels that, uh, you know, he got very defensive with uh, some of the things that uh, the Triple G said. So uh, that, that's, what, uh, that's what I think uh, is, uh, is building up this, uh, this promotion right now. Tom, late last week, did you have any plans on Friday before the commission called you and Eric Gomez in? <laughs> yeah, scrapped, scrapped all those plans. That, that turned into a long, <laughs> long, uh, long day. It turned into a long day, but uh, um, they did inform us. They, they, you know, but that's a procedural uh, process that the Nevada Commission has to put uh, to issue a, uh, you know, temporary suspension, and then uh, you know they're going to make their ruling. They're going through. Uh, you know, I do have to give the Nevada credit, uh, Nevada Commission credit. They're doing a thorough investigation. Um, they definitely are looking for, you know, some answers as to how. Um, that substance got into uh, Canelo's system. I mean, there is precedent for allowing uh, fighters um, to fight, uh, both in New York and San Francisco, uh, New York and California. Although I don't think in, uh, in Nevada they've allowed that before. So you know, it's, it, every situation is different, and naturally every state is different. So that's what the Nevada Commission is doing their job. They're investigating, and and uh, we're waiting uh, to see what they uh, what, what the results of their finding is. Tom, April 10th is when Canelo has to meet before the Nevada Commission. Okay, that's about, like, what, three and a half, four weeks. Let's say, and this to me would be unlikely, they say you cannot fight, the Golovkin rematch is off for May 5th. I know your job is to have contingency plans and have plan A, plan B, and plan C. Is it realistic that Gennady would fight on against somebody on May 5th based you on know, that time see, frame? I always tell you the answer to that question. I, I have plan A, B, and C. This time, you know, we were 100% focused. I mean, it's the biggest fight in boxing. We're, we're, we're 100% focused on the Canelo fight. We still are 100% focused. Gennady just started the sparring last week. Um, you know, it's, it's when, when you have the biggest fight in boxing, you know, it's hard to make a plan B or plan C. Um, you know, in light of uh, uh, the, um, uh, you know, the meeting and the suspension last week, um, you know, now now I'm starting to, ha- you know, just uh, kind of uh, evaluate, you know, uh, how things look. But, uh, you know, we're still positive. Uh, I've been having regular meetings with, and, and discussions with Golden Boy. You know, we have the same objective. Obviously, if there's anything adverse that comes, you know, out of the uh, out of the investigation from the commission, then, you know, it's a whole different story. But, you know, we've said the whole time if, if Canelo, you know, can prove that it was uh, unintentional, consumption and it doesn't give him a, 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 an unfair playing field or an unfair advantage, then of course uh, Triple G want, is committed to the fight and, and, and wants the fight. So that's that position hasn't changed. Although, you know, now, uh, you know, we just have to see what, you know, what direction the investigation goes into and then, you know, we'll have to see if there's, uh, you know, how, how to react to it at that point. Well, Tom, I saw today that Demetrius Andre and Banner Promotions put out a statement saying, hey, we're ready to go here May 5th, which is easy for them to say, <laughs> given the fact they don't have a fight lined up. But have other promoters, have they reached out to you saying, Tom, we would be available? Well, one of the most vocal guys in boxing, uh, Billy Joe Sunkins, he's, uh, he's not available May 5th. Uh, 
you know, uh, they, they called me and said, uh, you know, they could do the fight, but it would be a little bit later on, you know, maybe in June or something like that. So, you know, again, that's all very premature. I don't want to speculate on, on different, different, uh, different situations, but it, it's very, it's a very unique situation. I don't think fight like this, a mega fight, uh, in the sport of boxing has ever been jeopardized, uh, um, you know, to this, uh, to this, uh, uh, extent because of a, uh, uh, you know, and again, I have to emphasize it's it's voluntary uh, testing, both uh, Triple G and Canelo, uh, both uh, you know as you know Triple G has has done you know over I don't know how, how many years now insisted on the, the drug testing and uh, and uh, Canelo has taken numerous tests himself. So um, you know, it's just uh, it's just one of those things. It's a it's a bump in the road, and you know when you have a fight like this, um, it, it's going to happen. Uh, regardless of uh, if it's May 5th or depending what happens. But uh, uh, similar to the Pacquiao-Mayweather situation, I mean, fans waited five years or however long that took to make. And uh, this time we did the first fight and we did the rematch straight away. And uh, hopefully we can keep that. And if not, then, you know, sit down with Golden Boy. And, you know, it's it's, it's a good thing I have a good relationship with Golden Boy because there, there's been some promotions recently where both <laughs> fighters and promoters were at odds with each other. And then, it just the wheels just fall off if there's something adverse like this, then people start looking for a way to get out of the get out of the promotion. And here, both both Canelo and Triple G are committed to to fighting each other. Gabe, the drug and the drug and its history make this a real murky, cloudy situation for you guys because it has that history with contaminated meat and athletes getting off. I mean, if it was say just straight up testosterone, we'd be having a different conversation, right? No, absolutely. The fight would probably I mean, be uh, Yeah. You, you, again, you know, Nevada is the the the, the governing body uh, of it, and and uh, uh, because of the uh, history, like you said, uh, you know, even the the soccer team in Mexico has, uh, I right. think, uh, gotten uh, exemptions uh, from from the uh, positive test. So, you know, you, you got to take everything into consideration. If it was uh, any type of uh, was any clear indication of, of some type of performance enhancing situation then uh i mean I, i'm i'm a, a strong believer that you need to have a stiff penalties in, in place because boxing is such a dangerous sport at the same time because oh. of uh the unique nature of this particular test and the the history of you know athletes being allowed to compete you know from mexico and i think even from china then uh you know you got to look at all that and that's what the nevada commission is doing right now uh, let me ask you this uh when you guys make the decision to do vada testing how does that do you guys know when it's going to begin does that is that part of the contract or is that a separate thing and you guys have to fill out as i understand it it's like when you guys fill out the form the fighters send it in Nevada and everything checks out uh you know and, and the the whereabouts forms and all that get get figured out that's when the testing begins uh, did you guys were you from your end how how does that procedure work yeah, no, that, that that's a pretty accurate description, uh, Gabe. Okay. Is uh, you know, when a when a fight is signed, you know, obviously both fighters have to agree to the testing. I mean, uh, Triple G is enrolled in the in the Vada program, um, so um, you know, there's never been an issue as far as uh, him testing. But at the same time, um, you know, that that's the typical procedure is once a contract is signed, then. Uh, you notify Vada, and then they they uh, start their uh, testing procedure, uh, their protocol. Did that um, begin around the the tour? I'm just trying to figure out when when that was that. Did that begin during or after the promotional tour? 
that was uh, beginning of February is when everything was uh, said and done. We signed the contract. Actually, we signed the contract uh, at the forum at the uh, Lenar, uh, the the uh, Linares fight the Golden Boy was promoting. I went down there, and you know Steve saw me there at ringside, and and uh, that's when we actually signed the contract. So everything started at the beginning of uh, beginning of February. Gotcha. Tom, will you start putting measures in place where fighters who are potentially in line to fight Gennady start testing a little earlier? And would you consider, or would Gennady consider, going through a year-round program with Vada? Yeah, that, that, those are always uh, things to consider. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to to uh, say, okay, you're, you're in line to fight Triple G. We need you to start. We need you to yeah. start uh, doing your testing pro- protocol because then you'd have to do that with like three or four people, and then uh, you know they're not going to want to incur the cost if they don't actually get the fight. So, uh, so uh, you know, it's 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 a little more difficult to implement than uh, than it actually sounds. I mean, ideally, every boxer in order to get a license should be you know, subject to uh, year-round testing. You know, the reality of that is, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how realistic uh, uh, that is. Um, so, um, you know, uh, I think you have to, you know, try to do the best you can to eliminate, um, uh, you know, just open windows uh, for for blatant uh, blatant use. When um, um, go ahead, Big Gabe. When uh, when Butte and Pascal fought, and I may have mentioned this to you before. Uh, I know I've tweeted it. Uh, what they did, and this was you know before their first fight, they signed a contract that they agreed that they'd be in testing until after their rematch, we even if they decided to have an interim bout in between. So that might be something to think about for the future. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, a situation like Canelo, look, I think, <laughs> I really think that depending what happens with the rematch, I think the Canelo fight is something that, that could happen uh you know, not only a rematch, but uh, three or four times similar to uh, Pacquiao and Marquez. I mean, these are clearly two of the top pound-for-pound pound fighters and uh, two of the most marketable fighters in, in a sport. So that's where, uh, you know, something like that could be implemented um, on both sides. Um, and, and it would be realistic from a cost standpoint because, look, if we know they're going to fight each other, and um, then that's a situation similar to you said to uh, the Boutte fight that uh, – um, that, that it could be realistic. Tom, moving ahead back to tomorrow, Hollywood Fight Nights begins, 360 promotions, the live stream on Ring TV begins at 9.15 Eastern time. But, Tom, there, there's a happy hour before, right? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we did that for you, Steve. That's the important that thing. Five, did that from 5 to 6. 5 nice. to 6, where I'm, you know, we're sponsored by Tecate and Chivas, MGM Resorts. And uh, and uh, it'll be a happy hour from five to six, and the first fight starts right around uh, six thirty. That's when the Ring TV stream starts, and and uh, it's going to be uh, no one's going to be thirsty tomorrow night. Put it that way, see? especially the mm, absolutely because because after the fights it's Club Loffler. Club Loffler. <laughs> All right, Tom. Listen, we we know you're busy. Thank you for the time, and Tom, I'll see you out there tomorrow. All right, guys. Always great to be on the show. All right, there he is, Mister. 360, Tom Loeffler talking about the May 5th situation slash snafu and Hollywood Fight Nights at the Avalon. Let's get right to the Twitter timeline. Of course, we start off with the president, Andrew V. Kennedy. Gabe, this is, I think, something you should handle. Are the levels indicated in Canelo's first failed test 
still consistent with prior proved meat contamination? And what do you see as the rationale behind Canelo's suspension? Uh, well, like, like Tom said, the, the suspension is just uh, it's procedure. It's just what they do. Like, look, until further notice, until you clear your name uh, and earn that license, your license is suspended. Um, as far as that, I, I know a lot of people have thrown that out, but um, – I would say that, like, I was talking to Victor Conte yesterday about uh, the, the the 66 uh, Mexican athletes that that tested positive, and he was talking about their range, and he said that this was underneath, like, I think it was they, they had a range of like all the way up to like I think 1.9, but then like down to like 0.4 or something, maybe even less. I I could be wrong on that low end number, but uh, you know, so it was like maybe out of those people that were tested, um, maybe some were cheating, maybe some were contaminated. We don't know. Uh, but they were, you know, those guys were exonerated. And so I, I look at this and just say, it, you know, it, it's just a small p- uh, glimpse at a larger picture. We don't know. We could speculate that he was juicing. Clombuterol could be used. You know, a lot of guys, they, they, they juice uh, in between, uh, you know, the, uh, in between the events. And not even in training camp you're using, but, you know, maybe you're coming off in training camp and you're just uh, using the benefits. Uh, in training camp that you got when you were using in your off-season program. So maybe this is, you know, uh, like there was just a trickle left in his system. And so they tested him one day. He had a lot of, you know, where he had this amount in it. And then they tested him three days later and he had a little bit less. I mean, that, you know, makes sense that, you know, if he was contaminated or if he was using that, it was leaving his system. I think it has a half-life, you know, it stays in your body for like, I think somewhere between like four to seven days. So, you know, it could just be the trail end of it. It could be uh, he ate a whole ton of beef. Who knows? I, I still don't know what that meal was or where he ate. Was it the taco truck or was it at a nice place? I, I have no idea. So, again, it's just speculation. All we know is just that there was more in one sample and there was a little bit less in the next sample. Yeah, that's what happens when you cycle off, if that's, in fact, what took place. Also, I want to make this clear. I don't care what happened in subsequent tests that race clean. It's like getting a DUI at midnight. Well, by the time it's 6 o'clock in the morning in the holding cell, your DUI level is probably fine. You know, so yeah. that, that, that to me is, <laughs> doesn't have much to do with anything. Here's a question from Tom Bob Anderson. In the rare event of Canelo <laughs> GG2 getting canceled, would you rather Golovkin fight Saunders or Charlo instead? And, and this is about Charlo's Instagram live on Saturday night referencing Gravata uh, oh, Davis. Is it time to legalize picking fighters up by their nostrils? That was like the Citizen Kane of Instagram posts from <laughs> Mr. Charlo. Um, as for Golovkin's next opponent, if it is not the rematch, I'm good with either. Uh, I'd actually like to see him fight Saunders for that final belt. And uh, Charlo, right after. Right. That, that makes, to me, that makes the most sense. That if you've got to plug in another fight, you know, uh, it might be Billy Joe you know, buzzkill, but – but still, you know, it, it, he's going for all the belts, so it would be historical. His mission. He wouldn't get that lineal belt by fighting Canelo, but, you know, whatever. Uh, he would still have all the belts. He'd be the undisputed guy. I, I, I wonder if Ring would actually count him as undisputed uh, without the lineal title. I'd have to ask Dougie about that. But, uh, you know, you and I wouldn't care. He'd have all the belts. Um, and, and, you know, and then I think Charlotte seems to be the most dangerous guy. I wouldn't mind a a rematch for Danny Jacobs at some point. That's a close fight. Uh, that could be cleared up. Um, but, 
you know, I think that that path is clear. I, I think, and I think the the Billy Joe Saunders. I think that's a tough puzzle to deal with, man. That's not. That's a guy that yeah. the more activity way, he has, the sharper he looks. Tom brought up three, four, and five of Golovkin Canelo. You know, honestly, go do May fifth and get back to your career. Get back to Golovkin fighting more than twice a year. I don't want this to become police academy. I get it. They make a lot of money every time they fight, but let's be honest. Pacquiao Marquez, before that unbelievable knockout in the fourth fight, there was a lot of fatigue over that matchup. And, uh, And you know, Gennady Golovkin, since September of 2016, has fought twice. That ain't good. That's not how you got here. Um, Big drama show. Has Golden Boy Promotion handled this situation wrong from the start? Should they have reached out to Triple G and paid him off? Floyd would have. End of story. Not sure about that. I don't know what Floyd would have done. He just would have had the commission in his corner. Listen, Golden Boy's in a tough spot. They're not the ones who (laughs) did this. However, it's their client that's in this mess. And I was told, in all fairness, that Canelo was going to close off his camp even before the test came out. Um, and, and sometimes silence is deafening. I don't think that's been a good look for him, Gabe. No. But, I mean, you know, what is he going to say? I mean, I think, I think he wants to go present his defense. He, he's, you know, Canelo's a – a, the few interactions I've had with him over the years, I've, I've talked with him a bit, uh, interviewed him when he first came here, um, and seen him grow into a star. And I remember we had him on Leaving in the Ring, um, and Dave asked him what he thought the responsibility of a champion was. He was kind of calling him on picking easier fights, uh, you know, while being a title holder, and, and kind of pointing also like he'd won a title at a catchweight. And Canelo asked him, I think, to repeat the question or didn't seem to understand it, and Dave asked him again, what do you think a champion's responsibility is, you know, when he has that belt? Uh, and Canelo hung up on it. Um, he doesn't really like to be challenged. Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, Boy, how yeah. how dare you ask such a probing question? Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, be bold, Canelo. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I think the silence, like you said, it speaks volumes. So he doesn't want to be questioned. And I think, you know, if I'm his handlers, though, if I'm his, if I'm his camp, not so much his promoter, um, I kind of don't want him wasting a bunch of energy handling all these questions and, and being questioned in the scrum. Maybe you have one press conference and you answer it. But, I mean, we all know what his answer is going to be. Uh, I ate some contaminated meat, you know, and the follow-ups, you know, are people going to really go, what restaurant did you eat at? Where was the place did you eat? What did you order? How big was the steak? You know, that's my question. Um, you know, I, I don't know if they want to go through that and waste that energy. Maybe they'll let, you know, they feel like they'll let the older guy answer a bunch of questions, be angry in the press, and wear himself out doing all that stuff. Yeah, I'm not sure. Here's a tweet from Wedfoot Chicano. Canelo Triple G, an old Mexican saying says, the money, the dog will dance. In this case, the money, these fighters will fight, period. Do not disagree. I'll keep scrolling down here. Edward Anderson, Easy e from the U.K. You think it will be fiery for the first six rounds, but I think, uh, I think to have a realistic shot versus Joshua, you're going to need a real super heavyweight physicality to compete with them, and I don't see it with Parker Late wear down TKO for Anthony Joshua. Also, Michael G says they'll get rid of slot machines and buffets before this fight. 
Too much money on the line for all the parties involved. Uh, that was my point today. And uh, finally, the last one from uh, the Twitter timeline before we get back to it a little bit later, Triple G beat Canelo says, so it won't be a bad look on boxing to let a guy who tested dirty twice still fight. You know, there's a, there's a lot of validity to it. However, there's also a precedent for it with Eric Morales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Francisco yeah, Vargas. So you uh, know, sa- same drug, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, clenbuterol. Uh, yeah. And with Vargas or, or with Morales, they just let him keep testing until he tested clean, and then went, okay, I guess it's out of his system. Uh, you know, the the stake is passed, uh, and it was you know that was he tested positive deep in the process in kind of the weight making window, uh, which made people kind of you know go, hmm, uh, why are you eating steak when you're trying to make weight? Uh, that was always my question. Um, but, you know, the precedent here, actually, uh, to correct Tom, um, the, Nevada set the precedent for doing drugs and competing uh, under Keith Kaiser when he allowed guys to have therapeutic use exemptions for testosterone. So uh, I don't think, you know, it's a different regime now. It's, you know, Bob Bennett's in charge now. Uh, and even somebody had brought this up that, you know, New York would, be, would welcome this fight with open arms. But they have different leadership as well. They actually have leadership now uh, and, and a little bit more of an eye. <laughs> Towards, uh, towards, you know, after post Mago, uh, you know, you were seeing that 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 weird uh, concussion protocol thing that they do. I don't know if they would touch this fight, particularly after the Morales debacle. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. I have a feeling we're going to be here all the way till nine p.m. Yeah. Gabe, let's pump out some phone calls here. Yeah, it's uh, it. Our cup is overflowing. Uh, let's go straight to nine one seven. You're live on the next round. Hello. Hello. Or not. Or not. All right. Um, let's go uh, 951. You're live on the next round. Or not. This, this is a rocky start here. Jeez. I'm like Canelo in front of some meat with these uh, <laughs> no, just not asking questions and digging right in. 707, you're live on the next round. Three early knockdowns. Yeah. Uh, four two three. Don't worry, we got a ton of calls on here. Four two three. Just nobody's talking. Four two three. You're live hey. on the next round. Yeah. Oh. Talk hey to fellas, us. It's, it's Matt in Winston Salem. How you doing? Matt, what's hey, on your mind? Oh, not much, man. Um, I missed the very first part of the show, so I probably, I guess, I missed your early recap of Dillian White. Um, that was. Uh, I was not expecting that. <laughs> as brutal as it was. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was maybe even slightly favoring Brown, even though I'd only seen him fight once. I just thought he would find the right hand or whatever. Um, boy, that didn't happen, and holy shit, that was a brutal knockout. Like, <laughs> the way he hit the floor, <laughs> I was thinking, oh, my God, I hope he's not dead, you know? That was kind of Paul Williams or Manny Pacquiao-esque, the way he just hit. He was unconscious before he landed, you know? It was, yeah. it was pretty scary. I was, I was uh, impressed by White his ability to kind of uh, keep the celebration down while we realize, you know, found out if the guy was alive or not. Yes. Yeah, that's correct. Um, so why moving forward, he, I mean, I guess he looked good. Uh, that may have something to do with Brown style, but all right. So there's all this speculation about white Wilder now. Now I want the Joshua Wilder fight. If Joshua beats Parker, then hell yes, make the fight. I think it's, it's fine where it is. 
But I will say that, I mean, I don't expect that to happen. I expect Eddie to at least, I mean, I don't know, but it seems like Eddie would at least put that out there to let the fight build, get Dillian White a good fight. And if, I mean, I don't know where they would fight, but a Wilder-White fight would, I mean, it would be a good way to let Wilder Joshua marinate. You know what I mean? Well, he did somewhere. offer him $4 million, and that's his, by far, would be his biggest payday he's ever had. Oh, wait, he, sorry, he already offered $4 million for White? Yeah, Eddie Hearn last summer said, come over to the U.K., let's build this fight. You could fight Dillian White for $4 million. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that last summer. Okay, <laughs> yeah, and Wilder said no for some strange reason, is that right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, $4 million you know, is a lot. I said it, um... <laughs> I don't want to be the buzzkill, but until Deontay Wilder and whoever purports to be his representation understands the economic reality of that equation, this fight will happen later rather than sooner. That's just the truth. Yeah, it's um, it's funny, you know. I haven't watched boxing that long, but my so my um sort of standard, and it is an outlier, but for letting fights marinate is of course. Uh, Pacquiao Mayweather, because when I started watching in like 2012, 2013, that was like, you know, every, after every Mayweather Pacquiao fight, it was, oh, will it happen? And then they would get another opponent and everyone would go, oh, it's never going to happen or it's going to happen too late. So <laughs> I waited for that shit for years, you know? And now there's this next, you know, I don't know, super fight. Anyway, the biggest heavyweight fight in quite a, in quite a while. And it seems like it could actually happen. I hope we don't wait too long, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we do have to wait a little bit longer. All right, Matt, thank you for the call. Gabe, who's next? Um, you know, I, I personally expect um, it's going to be Wilder White next and then uh, Miller and Joshua, and they'll do some sort of uh, cross-promotion and try to build towards that big fight. I don't think it happens next. Uh, five three zero, you're live on the next round. Hi, guys. It's five, Mike three, from Auburn. Mike, what's going on? I've got a question for you. I think my sense in listening to the interview that Triple G did up on Media Day about Canelo and uh, his his, uh, Mexican meat uh, theory was that he felt that Canelo uh, had been using PEDs in the first fight and as such probably doesn't have a whole lot of concern or feels like he's he's already seen that, uh, whether right or wrong. I'm still kind. Of, I'm always kind of puzzled by all the people I see on Twitter and in the in the uh, not so much in the media, but just a lot of people talking about how Gennady should just move away from Canelo and, and go with Billy Joe Saunders or go with somebody else, Daniel Jacobs again. And do they not really think about the economic impact? on him from not having this fight come off. It seems to me he probably still wants this fight and, and understandably so. His career has been put on hold waiting in line. And I, I haven't completely agreed with the decisions to wait month after month. Like to me personally, if I'm Golovkin, if he wanted to fight in December after, after the September 16th fight, I, I would have set up a fight. I, my point is, what is Canelo going to do? Because this is also his career-high payday. Not fight him again? Uh, listen, Gennady Golovkin does not worship money like other people, but he's like everyone else. We all like a buck. It's only natural. It's human nature. It's like
U.S. We're capitalists. He's a prize fighter. And this is really life changing, bucks. I suspect. Right. This is this is you know uh, f you money. You know you can just go away and and and, and sock it away. And, and yeah, it's it's life changing. You know, and and uh, it, it's um, I don't you know people have. It's, it's things have really changed. I mean, back in the day, people were like, shut up about testing. And now everybody's asking about the concentration of clenbuterol and Canelo's urine sample. And if that, you know, tells us something. And, and, uh, uh, and I actually looked up the study. Uh, it, it was a, a range of 66 Mexican soccer players were tested. And uh, the range was like 0.02 to 1.90 picograms of, of it. So, you know, it can be a wide range. Uh, we don't quite mm-hmm. know, and and people trying to play amateur scientist. You know, like I'm not an expert. I'm not a freaking scientist. I didn't go to, sci- to college for this. I've had some great teachers about PEDs over the years. Victor Conte is one of them. Uh, but I wouldn't call myself, you know, uh, be able to look at a sample and go, oh, I know exactly what that is. Uh, people just need to calm down, let the pro- the, the process play out. Uh, and you know, but I agree with you guys that. But here's the thing, though. Triple G is getting older. Can he fight three times a year? Why not? Ali did it. I, I don't. I don't understand this. Why are we lowering standards for fighters? It, it all kind of. I hate to say it, Gabe. It all kind of began. I just, I'm sick of it. Well, he's old now. Remember, the middleweight champion act like it. That's that's mm-hmm. what I feel. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I, there's no. There's no. There's no age where all of a sudden we're going to hold back the rules now. He doesn't have to fight anybody. I, I'm just so yeah. sick of that. What? Yeah. Like what is yeah. it? Sergio Martinez leveraged that. Then Miguel Cotto took over. I'm like, what? Are you the champion or not? Floyd and by the way, too. Golovkin told Doug, uh, me and Doug, when we did our interview for Ringo, guys, I want to go back to fighting again. You know, I've kind of had to do this to make money, which is great. But, yeah, hmm. I, I kind of like to go back to fighting again. See, that's, you know? that's what I'm well, wondering. Yeah, if, if he wants to do it, well, he should he, do it. If he gets the money on this purse, he can afford to do that and not have to worry about about uh, the biggest possible purses. And one one comment, you made me think of something when you mentioned how often Ali fought. He did fight very often, but thing to consider is he had tremendous variation in his performances and his fitness level in some of those fights. Oh, he did, but every... even late in his career when there was a lot of wear and tear, I mean, he was still fighting more than twice a year, and he's, fight, he's still fighting at the end in 76, 77, 78. I get the years mixed up. He's still fighting guys like Ernie Shavers and Ron Lyles and Ken Norton. Mm-hmm. But he was the heavyweight yeah. champion yeah. of the world when it really meant something. Yeah. I don't want to do seniors boxing. If you're the middleweight champion of the world, you should, you should start fit eventually. If you have the crown, if you're not going to move up, I want him to fight Gary Vachenko and Charlo and whoever else is out there. It's the way it should work. Well, I, no I've doubt. got one, one more request, not a question. And uh, don't need to hear it now, but just a thought, Steve. I do want to hear that uh, Emmanuel Stewart impression. Well, <laughs> the, uh, the unedited version is a lot better than the edited. Uh, next time I'll see you, I'll do it. It's, it's a doozy, though. Unedited. Yeah. Thanks, Mike, thank you very much. Uh 347-215-7598. My buddy Matt Swider, the Swider man who's gone to a lot of these Golovkin fights and has traveled across the country to see various fights, he said, Steve, they've kind of ruined the Golovkin experience. We don't see him anymore. Yeah. Can you argue? 
No, you know, you can't. And and it's and when you look at that division, it, there's a lot of talent in it. And if you, you know, it's one thing to, to be trying to acquire all the belts, but you got to defend them too, right? You can't just hold up the division because you want the biggest money fight. I mean, it is prize fighting, and that going after the biggest money fight is as old as the sport. But like you said, it's it's at some point, you know, everything slows down. It's like Floyd. It's like how do you call yourself TBE when you're fighting like once or twice a year? We don't even see you against the best of the division, but you're the best ever. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, well, I guess I dropped the uh, the bomb. You can't really do a Manuel Stewart uh, impersonation without yeah. dropping some MFs in there. Uh, back to the phone lines nine seven eight. Hey, you're live on the next round, Jimmy. Guys, is you? What's going on, guys? How you doing? Oh, Jimmy's corner. Welcome aboard. It's happening. It's happening, guys. Um, yeah, no, I like it. Get the fuck out of here, Gabe. That was awesome. I was pumping my fist over at my buddy's house. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, nice. Absolutely, dude. Seriously. It's, it's, Steve, I hear it in your voice. You can almost hear it in Tom's voice. He sounded a little edgy tonight. You know, he's probably tired and just all the bullshit. But I'll be honest with you, dude. I tweeted out after the first fight, and I was got all, I got all kinds of resentment for it, too. Was, I'm already, I was done with the first one. Good, done. Did you make a fight? I can appreciate Gennady, his future, his kids. I awesome. He did this right. He came here, worked his ass off. He deserves the accolades, deserves the financial benefits. But please, I understand Tom too. You know, he's thinking fucking summer homes and boats and shit. It's three and four, you know. <laughs> but come on, dude. Enough. Enough. That, you're right, dude. It was the three times a year. And and again, obviously, because I have to go to him because he's the one I grew up with. But Mickey was 35 years old when the fucking trilogy started. And he was working full-time on a paving crew. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's the reason why, because he was fucking working. He goes, I kept, you know, he kept himself in shape. He was only 15 pounds away from his, you know, walk-around weight. But, um, so Jimmy, was, Jimmy, let me yeah. point this out about Ali. In 1975, when he's on the descent, right, mm-hmm. he fought one, two, three, four times that year against Webner, Ron Lyle, Joe Bugner, and some guy named Joe Frazier. Okay. Then, then, it, then in 1976, he fought Jean-Pierre Koopman. That was a layup. Very difficult. Jimmy Young. A lot of people don't know if he even won that fight. He fought Richard Dunn, another European layup. Then he fought a guy that gave him fits, Ken Norton. So he fought four yeah. times that year. So uh, this whole thing that somehow now, well, they all have to be fit into two years. That, that, to me, that's been the worst development in boxing the past 20 years, the part-time, yeah. full-time prize fighter. It, 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 and it's it's become a mindset. And, again, it all comes, like Gay pointed out, it all comes from Floyd. He started – the sport reflects the man on top. And I don't give a fuck. One of the greatest defensive fighters, he could slip and jab and fuck off, you boring fuck, you cherry-picking, woman-beating, drug-abusing piece of shit. Wow, fuck wow. you. I hate that fuck. What are you Listen, about? I can't. Jeez. I Floyd Mayweather. Wow, Jimmy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Damn. But, you know, I wouldn't have minded Straight, all the defensive stuff. I wouldn't have minded the defense if he would have fought people that were in their prime and that were dangerous. Exactly. Pernell Whitaker exactly. style. And the, the fact that it became a cultural thing, you could, I can see it on Twitter. Like, I didn't realize until I got on Twitter how bad it was. I really didn't realize. But this, like, cultural divide where it almost became, even where – I knew a couple, I have a couple of close black friends who said straight up, I fucking couldn't stand Floyd Mayweather, but I'm almost voting for him now because all the white people who wanted to win. 
and it's like I, when I heard that it was before I even got on Twitter. I'm like, wow. And then you could see it, and it's and he played that for all it was worth with his fucking comments and shit. I just don't like what he did to the sport. And then to finish it off with that fucking abomination, and that I'm telling you, and I'll be dead, gone, but you'll see, man. Twenty years from now, that thing had a fucking that's left a stain. I, I just can't even, I don't know. You think so, I Jimmy? I, I don't school. know, Jimmy. August 26th, I still remember. I was out at Staples. I was watching Miguel Cotto fight Kama Guy. Everyone else's attention was on Conor McGregor Mayweather. I'll be honest, there was a buzz about it. It dominated the news cycle. But boxing overall had a very good 2017. And if you look Excellent, at this, yeah. 2018, we're still getting a good lineup of fights. I, I don't yeah. know if it really left this stain. No, I, I really don't. With the you don't think with the casuals coming back, though? No! It's like, well, no. Because, Jimmy, look at this. Because like, it was yeah. an action fight yeah. that ended in a, in, a, in a knockout. I think if it had been a boring, normal Floyd fight, those crossover fans would have been, like, right. I don't, Pacquiao Mayweather did more damage to the sport. Right. Even Joe See, Hoyle I'm Mayweather did damage. Oh, that's what I'm talking about, Mayweather-Pacquiao. That's the final Oh, okay, Mayweather-Pacquiao. No, absolutely agree. But oh, it yeah, is ironic to me. Oh, oh. Okay, I, th- that's on me then. But because Pacquiao Mayweather is the fight where I believe that Manny Pacquiao completely jumped the shark. Okay, and Absolutely. he continues to jump more sharks than Arthur Fonzarelli. Now yep. we go back to Mayweather McGregor. I, I feel as though it's very ironic, given what was said the last five years about the imminent demise of boxing, that from that point forward, I think people started to realize. Wait a minute. Boxing's actually in a better place than UFC. And yeah, if you no, don't believe me, ask Dana White, who's no, looking to get in. Yeah, no, uh, UFC numbers. Well, it was a bad – look at – and then Conor becomes a huge superstar. But talk about keeping your fucking fans, not to talk about MMA, but what is he doing? He's got, like, two belts. He's not fighting anybody because – but, yeah, no uh, – and you know what's I just fucking I, I think Floyd would have been happy if he when he left, if the sport just left with him. Like he's that much of a narcissist. But it's a culture it's the whole sport, when I say culture, I'm not talking about a skin color, I'm talking about the sport culture. Boxing has adopted this. Remember that that letter uh what was it Keith Thurman sent out? Basically Condoning the twice a year. This is a new fucking conversation. The sports evolved, so he's actually not only fucking he's condoning it and say, you know, remember that? Oh, that I'm like, so you're saying that the sports involved? He's supposed to see you twice a year, and then he after that letter, he steps in the ring, and fucking half his rounds were booed. He walked away fucking <laughs> championship fight, and half the rounds were being booed. Uh, guys, I have a question. Missing each other. Yeah. Um, he's supposed to fight on May 19th, right? Mm-hmm. Who's he facing? Ridiculous! It's disgusting. No, seriously, who's he facing? Uh, it's, it's <laughs> I have no idea. And listen, pitches, pitches come back Not from Sean that Porter. injury, right? That that fucking floating chip in the elbow, what he had. Major league pitches, and there's nothing put stress on elbow joints, as you know, Steve, being a baseball guy like pitches. Those guys come back from that exact same surgery to form, usually within the latest 120 days. He had that surgery a year ago. And then hmm. Joseph Parker had the surgery, and he's a title, defending his title. <laughs> exactly. He had, like, just, I think, then, multiple procedures on his elbows. So, you know. And the, thing that, and the thing that sucks, too, is, and then 
they, they do the self-imposed hiatus. They sit out, back and play games, talk shit on you know, social media, and then they say, well, because I haven't fought for so long, I need a warm-up. So in essence, you're not getting really two fights in this whole warm-up thing. What the fuck? Warm-up? When did warm-ups become a, part, a fucking part of the vocabulary in boxing? You know what I mean? It's like warm-ups, yeah, off, coming off an injury or a hellacious fight. You don't expect someone. But, and again, now it's even got me talking like that. I mean, Nikki fought Toro three times in 18 months. You know what I mean? They beat each other half to death. So this whole warm-up, so he had a really, like, even the Porter Thurman fight. Respectable writers were saying, well, you know, I wouldn't expect to see either one of these guys for the rest of the year. And it was like, What? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Did they they get hurt missing that many punches? Did they blow out the rotator cuffs with all that athletic flailing? Wow. Yeah, people were saying, remember, it was the fight of the year. And and then they were expected to take the rest of the year off after taking such a pounding. I'm like, holy shit, I'm marks in their face. But, uh, yeah, no, it's just, it's really got me, and I'm with you, dude, with the whole Triple G thing. Done. I'm just done. Move on. I want to see him fight Charlo. I'd like to see him fight Jacobs again because I think Jacobs, I'd really like to see him get another big payday. He's such a good uh, Derevichenko. Derevichenko, yep. I'd like to see him in all these fights. And because, you know what, you're not to sound like a fanboy, but I'd like to see him be the A side again. To, you know what I mean? Okay, this is what we're going to do because as we've seen when he's the A side, there's not usually any games. This is what we have. This is what we'll pay you. Do you want the fight? You know what I mean? There's no ducking off down to fucking Mexico for two months, coming back all nice and puffy with fucking giving dirty urine. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Well, it's, just, it's, you know, it's weird that, uh, I mean, this fight actually shouldn't be happening. No, it shouldn't. You know, if, it wasn't, if, if it wasn't for Adelaide Bird, we wouldn't be having this. The goal was no, to beat no, the kid and, you know and what? kind of take some of that start. Well, I don't know about that. Then, Guys, remember, there was a rematch clause held by oh, Canelo. True. That Remember that. But I, that think, is, I stand corrected. I, I think Mike said something earlier in the call, and he's 100% right. You know what? And after Mike said, I'm like, holy shit, he's 100% right. If Canelo did cheat, okay, let's say, if he did cheat, this wouldn't have been the first time. Come on. You know what I mean? What, he wouldn't have decided, okay, those shots were hot. I, could, I mean, if he was willing to cheat, he was going to cheat. He cheated in the first one, too. So if that mindset, like Mike said, Gennady's already saying, hey, I already faced the kid on this shit. And if he's in oh, he really thinks that, you know what I mean? Well, Jimmy, so, um, how dare Gennady state that? Oh, what's I mean, that all about? I mean, how that's just stupidity. I mean, honestly, there's actually a guy who said, I would have had more respect for, for Golovkin if he would have said this immediately after the first fight. Yeah, that oh, would have yeah, really been taken sweet. well. That would have really yeah. – you. I'm sure that guy would have completely respected before a positive drug test him saying, ah, yeah, you know – I am so glad Canelo got fingered with no real circumstantial evidence or otherwise. Do people believe yeah. this shit? Seriously. I mean, it worked right out for Paulie when he did it to Porter after they after he lost. Oh, the guy was it, on drugs, you know. No, it didn't so, work out for him so, at all. And he just he just got he's just held to such a different standard. I mean, could you just I'll leave it with this? I know you got you know, up against it, but could you imagine if it was him who popped? I mean, he's already yeah. accused straight out now. Could you imagine? He'd be eviscerated. And, and just and real quick before I go to the Linares-Lomachenko thing, like, I can't fucking believe, no matter who this kid fights, it's like, oh, he's now fighting this guy to, to avoid this guy. It's just, it's just amazing what they're being held to, the standard they're being held to. The same thing with this. Remember when Jared Hurd fought Lara? 
Oh yeah. my god, he was ripped apart. No fucking skill. The kid's just you mean power, Trout? Right? You mean Austin Trout? Yeah, Austin oh, yeah, Trout. Trout. Just kid got no skill. He's just power. The same motherfuckers who were saying that after a while, they were saying, "Who gives a fuck about technique? He's got the eraser." It's like, okay, dude. Now I know where you stand, bro. Right. Jimmy, Enough. it's the but double gentlemen, standard, no standard. Um, no standard. Rappers, it was found out they used to love Donald Trump. They did. Look at the lyrics. <laughs> the truth. Right. I mean, it's all out there. Anyway, Jimmy, you glad guys, you joined have us. Have a great evening. Thank you. Gabe, you know what the most delicious irony is of Floyd Mayweather? Hmm. He was a Trump man? supporter. He was a Trump supporter. Yeah. Not, I mean, I'm I don't know if he right. voted for him or not. I don't know if he votes, but I know this. <laughs> he went to his inauguration. Anyway, oh, no. 3-4-7. He, he, he actually said on the radio uh, that no one ever called Trump a, a racist before the election, before he was president said that on the radio to a, a group of stunned, I think it's that Shade 45 radio show. I've, I've tweeted out the clip. I'll, I'll send you the clip. And everybody's like, they don't call him on it, though. You know, they act like certain members of the boxing media. Uh, a guy's spitting absolute falsehoods. I mean, Floyd, you know, Trump was sued by the Nixon administration for being racist, for the violating the, the Fair Housing Act. He had his managers put a, a C next on the application and circle it. Next, uh, when a, a black person would come in and try to rent an apartment from him and his dad, they sued and, and, and lost. Uh, when the Nixon administration calls you racist, you're pretty racist. So, you know. Uh, That's Mayweather's guy because he represents them. He represents yeah. them. Three, Except four, seven. Billionaires, I guess. Yeah. Two, one, five, <laughs> seven, five, nine, eight. Gabe, who's next? Well, we went all political and shit. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Uh, you're live on the next round. Two, zero, one. Hi guys, this is uh, Peter. I'm from New Jersey. Um, just had a what's up, man? Following up on the uh, on the Canelo thing, and I know, I know you guys had Tom on earlier. Um, I was wondering, would it be so hard for Tom and Triple G's team to just be like, if anyone really wants to fight Gennady Golovkin, they have to start undergoing VADA testing? Like, would that be so out of question? For well, them they have been, people? but the the question is when. It's like Tom said, I mean, you can't tell a guy who doesn't have the fight yet to say, hey. You might get the fight, so sign up for Vada when you don't have to. I mean, how realistic is that? Yeah. No, I guess I just yeah, I'm not sure what the cost would be um, for for something to, like someone to just start doing that. You when, when it was uh, Donaire and and uh, when and Rodriguez when they both did 360 uh, testing through Vada, it was like 20 grand a piece. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, the thing is, is VADA does have the clean boxing program with the, the WBC. The WBA said they were adopting it. I don't know if that's actually happened. Um, the thing is, is funding. As Tom brought up, it's like, well, how do you pay for it? Who want, nobody wants to pay for it. Um, speaking from experience, watching, like, the first, you know, almost, uh, I don't know, six or seven of these things happen, uh, it's always about the money. And uh, so I think that's the big problem is that we need to fund VADA so that they can – Test more people more often in their program and catch people in between. You know. Yeah, and by the way, the speaking of that whole WBC clean boxing program, I like Mauricio Suleiman. However, when he says we can't pass judgment on Canelo, and then his next statement is because I think he's innocent. Uh, hey, Big Mo, you're passing judgment right now. You need to just say right. let due process play out. Okay. Jeez. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Peter, what else is on your mind? If I'm if I'm Canelo Alvarez, 
and I know that I'm innocent, aren't I trying to do, like, everything in my power to prove it by doing maybe, how do you guys talk about, like, the hair samples or just saying, you know, from now on throughout my career, I'll, I'll be doing this type of testing year-round. Well, wouldn't you be making those types of statements to try to really, like, you know what's funny, Peter? Yeah, you would. I would. Bob Arum <laughs> tells me yesterday, I want to believe the kid. Now, all he has to do is a polygraph. A polygraph will prove everything, which I don't know if that's true. That's I was this true. close to telling Bob, but Bob, what if he's lying today but telling the truth tomorrow? I, I couldn't do it, though. I didn't have enough guts. <laughs> I should have. I should have, though. I chickened out. Shit. Yeah, anyway. It was right there. It was right there. Just teed up, and I didn't swing the bat, man. Jeez. Yeah, I, you know. I, I, was, no, I just tried to do everything to prove my name. Not, I wouldn't just make one statement. I'd, you know, do any tests they wanted me to do. I'd also say, you know, going forward, I'll, I'll undergo any VADA tests, you know, throughout the rest of my career. Peter, in other sports, and this is collectively bargained through the union, in other leagues, again, this is a league, though, with player unions and so forth, when you test positive, you don't get a lifetime ban. I just that, That's a little too draconian. A little too black yeah. and white. I don't think that's realistic. Mm-hmm. But what they do is put you in an accelerated testing program. And I've said for several years, if you test positive, you should then be subject to year-round random testing. Yeah, no, I'd be all that's for that. That's fair. Yeah. And, and, I mean, Lance Armstrong got banned for life. And it was because he had a, a crazy-ass program. Uh, there's probably other guys use as well uh, to make him the, the only guy is, is wrong. But he also like ruined careers and like sued people. He was oh yeah, intimidation person. tactics, blackmail, yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> and also influencing other guys to use or or get the hell off the team, kind of a situation. Uh, that that guy deserves a I think a lifetime ban. Uh, but uh, one time with Clint Buterall, or two times in Canelo's case, yeah, I think that's just way too far. People are trying to. You know the drug war, the, the you know the the recreational drug war. They've put people to jail for like you know life sentences for drugs. Uh, it's gone on since the 70s, really even longer than that. And drugs are cheaper and easier to buy than ever. So you have to think of some other way to do it. Peter, yeah, no, thank no, you I, for the call. Thank you. Guys. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. We'll take one more call. We'll get some news and notes, fight review, and fight preview on the next round. I think there's a strength in that these guys are fighting for a purse. So when you take a huge bite out of that purse for testing positive, I think that has consequences. But it can't just be like, you know, 35 grand when the yeah. guy's making like 9000000 million. It's got to be big. Uh, or maybe you flip the purses so that, you know, so all of a sudden you're getting Canelo's purse and he's getting yours. That might change his mind or a user's mind. 205, you're live on the next round. Okay. Thank you. Uh, 209, you're live on the next round. Hello, guys. How are you guys doing? This Trini. Trini. What's up, Trini? Talk to us. Not much, man. I'm just enjoying the show and listening to you guys. That's all I'm doing. You know, so I just want to say hi. Are you enjoying a, I, a, a Canelo burger? Uh, <laughs> I, I already had three. You know something I just claimed before? I uh Back like three years ago, they had me. I, I got a trainer and lose weight. I would never touch that stuff if they pay me. I got so Why many not? cramps. Oh, really? Man, that, it gives you for two hours straight. Two hours straight, I had cramps in my legs, my arm, my stomach. Man, I wanted to die. After that, I threw the pills away. Never again touched them. 
and uh, supposedly it's to dry you up, to it's like to, to cut the weight. But I say, hell no, I ain't competing, I ain't doing nothing, I don't need none of that stuff, you know. And I didn't even know what it was. They just, oh, just take these pills, you know. They're just gonna, they're gonna help you out, man. And then I started reading the box. I said, I would never take this stuff. Huh. How many times did you yeah. take it, Frenny? I, I just once. Two days. The first, no, if I took it for two days, the first day. I didn't feel nothing. The second day, that's when it hit me. Just I started cramping for two hours. Wow. Just straight cramps. And I said, hell huh. no. Yeah. Huh. So, you know. Interesting. And supposedly, okay. the, the, supposedly those, the, the pen, if you read the box and everything, they give that to the horses so they can open their lungs so they can run faster. You know? Oh, listen. It uh, may not be a true steroid. It, it is certainly used for performance Enhancing yeah, it. That's why guys take yeah. it. Well, supposedly, in a, in, because I've done it in a, even on the box, and, and just, they give it to the horse. All right, Trini's cutting out. Let's get to the next call, Gabe. Uh, all right. Uh, let's go uh, 347. You're live on the next round. Hey, guys, what's going on? It's Hans. Hans, hey, welcome up, aboard. Nothing much, nothing much. Um, So, real quick, um. <clears throat> And I call you guys show like every week, so you know like usually when people come on, like you know I'm kind of like just sitting in the background like hurry up, hurry up, I want to be the next caller, hurry up. But that guy Jimmy <laughs> Corner, I can listen to him like all night. That's hilarious. Like, like you know I kind of realized like you guys like have him on like kind of the longest, and like I really realized and, like the shit he be saying is really good. Like I just kick back and be like, man, you should be a part of y'all show, honestly. Oh, now, hold on. Are you on Twitter? Because at BDA Boxing, they do a very good podcast. They put together some really good fight videos. They had them on for about half hour. I listened to it last week. It was very enjoyable. Oh, man, I'm going to have to <laughs> tune into that one because that yeah. guy needs his own damn show or something. But, um, so, yeah, so. That's funny. Oh, I kind of wanted to piggyback a little bit off the Mayweather thing. Like, I kind of always felt the same way. Like, he always fought guys past their prime. All they call themselves TBE. He fought great guys. But me, personally, I wouldn't even put him in the Hall of Fame. He, he fought a bunch well, of guys. Wait like, a minute. Hold on. No, he, hold he, on. He, he now, wait a minute. Come prime. on. <laughs> wait a minute. Can, can you tell me who he fought in his prime? Tell me who he fought in his prime. <laughs> hold on. You're talking to two guys who are not part of the TMT, okay? But I think even – okay, maybe me. I'd even say that's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, but who he for in his prime? Who? Tell me one. Who? Let me just put it to you this way. I was David lucky Brown. enough to see him when he was pretty boy. He, it was a very short run at 130. But I was there what he did to Gennaro, Diego Corrales. He was special. Now, the Castillo fight, the first one, irrevocably changed him. No doubt in my mind. And was he a better matchmaker than fighter? Absolutely. But with that said... If I had a vote to the Hall of Fame, which I don't because I'm not part of the BWAA, his first year eligible, would he get that check mark next to his name? Yes. Yes. You, you wouldn't vote for him at all? Really? No, because, because like I said, like, he put no one in their prime. No one. Well, like, like, absolutely like, no one. I, I've been known <laughs> that's, that's to, to, to share my haterade of Floyd with, with friends. And I, I, you know, you can you can definitely poke holes in his resume. I mean, he didn't take away Gennaro Hernandez's O 
Uh, was that Oscar De La Hoya that did that? Uh, the Manfredi win, you know, uh, was a little bit fast. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, you can go down the line. I mean, Emmanuel Augustus, he said for years, was his toughest fight, and that's a 500 fighter. You know, uh, Diego Corrales was really sick before they fought, uh, had a terrible camp, and Alex Ariza in his camp, so who knows what was going on. Uh, yeah, I mean, but still, I, I think, he, you know, what he did as a, as a fighter overall, the amount of money that he was able to make, and it is prize fighting after all, and the cultural stamp that he put uh, on the world, good or bad, uh, as a boxer, I, I think you got to put him in the hall because it's the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of uh, you can't poke holes in my resume. Can I ask you something? When you tell your friends your stance on Floyd, do, do they? What, what's their reaction? Oh man, it, it's everybody's typical reaction. They'll say, "I'll say he fought no one in the prime," and then they'll say, "Oh, he fought Pacquiao. Oh, he fought Cotto. He fought Marquez." I'm like, dude, nobody, in nobody was in their prime. Marquez or in their weight class is lower. By the way, and this does not take know. away my feelings about him. I thought Jose Luis Castillo clearly beat him in that first fight. Clearly. Yeah, I, I did, too. The second fight was masterful. I'll give him that one. But listen, man, like, I, I think if you really look at his resume, the best person he fought that was in their prime is probably Judah. Wouldn't you agree? Ooh, coming, coming off, off a loss. loss to Baldemir, by the way. Yeah, 18-1 yeah, favorite. Yeah, I think that's yeah, probably true. his but, um, best win, though. Yeah, it's a guy that was winning. He looked like he he got a knockdown that wasn't called by uh, Uncle uh, Richard mm-hmm. Steele. Um, yeah, that's I think that's probably his most tested in his prime and most dangerous guy that if he landed right could, could put out your lights. Uh, you know you what? think Henry Bruselas was in his prime? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Now I know why you like Uncle Jimmy. You both have the same feelings towards Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> listen, I, I love that guy. Man. Hopefully I could be on the same call with him one of these days. I love that guy. All right. But, well, um, listen, we got to get running. Thank you for the call. All right. <laughs> okay, wow, yeah. that is amazing. Not, not only would he not put him as an all-time great, not only would he not put him as a Hall of Famer in the first ballot, he wouldn't allow him in Canastota. That, that, I can't go that far. Gabe, a couple of wow. things here. News and notes, it was announced June 9th from the MGM Grand. The Terrence Crawford-Jeff Horn fight has been rescheduled. Also, Mikey Garcia looks like he's keeping his 140-pound IBF title per Dan Raphael. He'll be taking on his mandatory, the beast, Ivan Baranchek. Gabe, that's a real fight. That's a real fight. Yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be tough, man. Uh, Baranchek's Good. real. I, I think he, he passes the eye test. Uh, yeah, Mikey's you know, real fight. for him. Yeah, he needs him. Also, fight review. Gabe, are you all aboard the King Rye bandwagon? Are you part of the Ryan Garcia army? Hmm, I don't know. I haven't followed him on, on Twitter or Instagram yet, so I'm not all the way in. Uh, the kid can fight, I think, but, you know, he was fighting a midget. Uh, a guy that you're supposed to go <laughs> some rounds with. There's a bantamweight. The bantamweight. You know, yeah. And it's the thing, though, you know, is that, you know, apparently the guy was supposed to give him some rounds and he, and he gets him out of there in explosive fashion. Uh, but, I mean, until I see some, some uh, pushback, you know, it says a lot to me that his matchmaker is still putting him in with a guy like this. Uh, so, you know, uh, he's a project more than a – do you think he's a project or a prospect? I think it's a little bit of both. He's 19 years old, and if I'm him – hold on, excuse me. 
If I'm the golden boy brass, I say, you know, kid, it's great that you want to win a title by age 19. We're not letting you have a real fight till 21. He's got a lot to <laughs> develop. He's got a lot to grow. He needs his physical maturity. But I give him credit. He has created a buzz about himself. You either hate him or you love him. There's no in-between, and that's good. The ladies love him. So do certain guys. But everyone cares. Like when he fought on Thursday – and he scored that knockout over Fernando, not El Faro's Vargas. My timeline was blowing up with interactions like it was an HBO or Showtime fight. I'm like, wow. Yeah. This is a Thursday yeah. night Golden Boy show. You know, there, there's usually not a lot of heat on those telecasts. I'm like, there's something there, so they have to be careful. The adults have to do their job here. Gabe, the Golden Boy show from ESPN and uh, uh, from the island of Puerto Rico, I really enjoyed this show top to bottom. Mm-hmm. I-, I am still upset at that referee. I get it. Joshua Franco was buzzed. He was hurt. He deserved at least another split second or two to kind of get out of that. I-, I did not understand that. He's winning the fight. He was not taking a beating. Yes, he got hit. Uh, that- the referee panicked, in my view. He totally panicked. You know, it, you know, one would say, is, is, was it home cooking a little bit? Uh, it was like the first sign of trouble. All of a sudden it was over. I, I was pissed. I, that, that's my guy. I, I like Joshua Franco. It tabbed him as, you know, as a prospect to watch. And, and I've enjoyed his career to this point. It was like, this is, a, this is a great fight for him. I mean, the guy he was fighting, you know, uh, was, was giving him a lot of trouble. Oh, In and out typical. Movement. Yeah, Gabe, typical tough, rugged SOB from Argentina. Those guys, they don't go gently into the night. It was a great test. But, Gabe, Joshua Franco does not have great punch resistance. But on the other hand, I could say, so so he's been hurt before. He he knows how to work his way out of this. And and everyone says, Steve, there was so much time left in the round. Right. So you couldn't give him three more seconds to kind of get his bearing straight? Really? Well, how how about an actual knockdown happen? You know yeah. he's hurt, but he you know and there were, uh, Bernard was saying well he's not he's not holding up his guard, but there's other types of defense. I'm sure Bernard Hopkins knows this. He was moving his upper body and trying to avoid the shots. It was on uh, Fernandez to put him down, and he didn't put him. Yeah, down. he you know it's, I, I was I was very upset at that, and it was heartbreaking to see the guy just just you know uh, crying you know uh, uncontrollably on TV because of that loss, but. At the same time, I think we got ourselves a good little fighter in Lucas Fernandez. I want to see this guy again. That was right, a, a, a rugged, gutty performance. You know, a win here for Franco, and maybe starts getting on the radar of Tom Loeffler for Superfly. I mean, that does a lot on the line here. Um, yeah. Talking to Robert Diaz and looking at his Twitter timeline, I get the sense they might do a rematch sooner rather than later. Also, Jose Martinez and Alejandro Santiago fought to another hard-fought draw. Personally, I thought the little Mexican uh, won this fight. There may have been some home cooking. Uh, fight uh, Also, Michelle Soro outfights John Vera for the interim WBA 154-pound title. Uh, Abel Sanchez went 3-0 and in France this weekend. And fight review again tomorrow night. The 360 show on ringtv.com. Doug Fisher, Cynthia Conte, and yours truly will be calling the action right around 6.30 p.m. from the Avalon, brought to you by 360. Then Saturday night on ESPN from Boston, Mark DeLuca takes on Michael Moore, and Jason Quigley makes his return. Uh, Also on the undercard um, of Matchroom Sports, Alexander Povetkin takes on David Price. Also 
on the bill, pretty good prospects here, Josh Kelly and Joshua Buatze. Gabe, let's get back mm-hmm. to the phone calls. Oh, I was going to ask you about that uh, Lagos knockout, though. Uh, how about that, Eugene? Did you see that fight, Eugene Lagos yeah. versus uh, Emilio Sanchez? Holy Ooh. God, I didn't expect that at all. That guy, you know, uh, for having game, a five and two record, let's see that more of that guy. <laughs> face unknown Filipinos at your own risk. Going back <laughs> to Romero Duno early on in 2017. I'm, I'm just telling you, these new Filipinos—they're not trying to be Manny Pacquiao. They are hungry, tough, rugged fighters. And Emilio Sanchez, this is a mistake I've been seeing more and more from young fighters. When you jab from in close and you lose your sense of distance, the problem with throwing a jab from too far inside, when you throw it not high enough, when you have that natural guard, is that you are very susceptible to overhand right. So your chin better be very, very tucked in, or that jab better be very, very high. And Emilio Sanchez lost his distance, was in no man's land, and he never saw that right hand. Never saw it. Just brutal, devastating loss. I mean, I I, I didn't expect that at all. I mean, I I felt like it was going to be a showcase. Although Lagos, I was looking at him in the introductions. I was like, this guy looks like he's he's ready ready to win. He's he's coming here to fight. And he fought like it up till then. I mean, just aggressive dude. Uh, I want to see him again. I mean, Sanchez... Back to the drawing board. That's got to be a tough loss, though. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. Gabe, let's finish it out here. Uh, all right then. No, Pepper Roach says, you know, knockouts don't hurt. You don't feel a thing. So maybe yeah. you can come back. Six four seven or six four six rather. You're live on the next show. Hey, round. hey, Stephen Gabe, how's it going? This is Domingo. Good. What's hey, going what's on? Up, Domingo. Hey, listen, I, 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 I got to give the props to Triple G because I think for a while, I think Canelo, you know, has been acting like a drama queen the same way as Mayweather, and people has given him a pass. Like, good for mm. him. I think he created his own weight class. Nobody was saying anything about it. I think this kid thinks that he could just do whatever the hell he wants without no rules or repercussions. Um, question for you, Gabe, yeah, though, is, like, in, in California – this whole thing about meat, this whole meat stuff. Do you think that that could be a problem in California, or just just strictly in in Mexico? It's Mexico and China apparently is a problem uh, that they, you know, they, they they allow the use of the drug, and, and not everybody uses it, but some people do, uh, is what I understand. So, I mean, but you know, the thing is, it's like, where is he eating? Is he is he hitting a local restaurant? Or, you know, like Steven's made, it's like he's a pretty rich guy. I mean, he should be uh, eating in his own house. He probably has his own chef, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, added to which that uh, I guess Reynoso or, uh, or, or Chepo uh, is a butcher. So, you know, these guys probably w- would know, like, the, the places to go where a good kind of meat is, I guess. I mean, I, I'm kind of projecting into the mind of a butcher. I, I'm, maybe they don't think about it that much. I don't know. Yep, yep. Any thoughts uh, came on that or? Well, listen. Queen Canelo. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't understand how Canelo fans are like, Golovkin, why is he saying this? I mean, he's taking the fight. Yeah, you're right, he's taking the fight. He's going to talk all he wants. Okay? Yeah. There, there was nothing that said, from what I know in the bout sheet or the bout contract, hey, if uh, Canelo tests positive for drugs, Golovkin has to play nice. I mean, it's the dumbest thing I've heard. And I hear a lot of dumb things. 
uh, Gennady's going to have a few things to say in the fight about it as well, I'm sure. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> oh, anyway, Domingo, quick question. As a boxing fan, if the fight goes on May 5th, does it dissuade you from buying the fight, all this stuff that's happened? No, no, no. I'm gonna. Say, I think it's a good fight. Uh, I think it's a, it's a lot more intrigue this year because I think uh, uh, Triple G. Uh, he's aging. I, I, you know, I, I think two years ago I thought he he could have taken him inside four rounds, but uh, it's it's a highly debated fight, right? Uh, uh, you know, you might even have you might even say that Canelo may, might have a a slight a uh, edge this time. I'm really concerned about Triple G. I think Triple G is becoming Chavez, where he. Basically, you know, Chavez by the age of 31, he was done. You know, and I oh, think, uh, you know, he might, you know, you know, Chavez, that was when he fought Random Whitaker and those guys and started getting touched up. And uh, Triple G was getting hit hard uh, by Canelo in that last fight. Yeah, I think he won yeah. Triple G, but I felt his uh, Canelo's punches were, were a little bit heavier. Uh, I don't know about you guys. Well, I'll say this. I, I was edging towards Canelo in this rematch before this positive came out. So uh, I just feel like, yeah, he's, he's you know, coming into his, his maturity uh, as the other guy's coming uh, to old age for a fighter. So, yeah, I mean, it's the, the, I wonder what kind of psychological edge this is all going to have, though, uh, if Canelo yep. is, is cleared and able to go forward. I mean, it's got to leave doubt in Triple G's mind, though, thinking yep. maybe I saw the end of this guy's cycle. Correct. All right, well, listen, Domingo, thank you for the call, 347-215-7598. we got 16 minutes available. Gabe, who's next? Uh, 951, you're live on the next round. Or Or not. not. (laughs) It's like the equivalent of a clinch. Uh, 530, you're live on the next round. Good evening, Gabe, Steve. Hey. Robbie, what's going on? Robert here. First of all, uh, the Dylan White fight, that was knockout of the year, and I'm glad that Lucas Brown is still alive because I thought when he hit the canvas, it was all (laughs) over. Um, It reminded me of uh, Marquez Pacquiao, face first, you know? Um, And I I hope to God we don't see Lucas Brown in the ring again. Um, And I like your scenario, Gabe. Uh, Joshua Miller, White, Wilder. Put them on the same card, um, whether they're both in the U.K. or both here in the U.S., and that's a good way to promote the fight. Um, I think Joshua wins, but I do. I, I have a feeling it's going to go the distance. I think Joshua is too distracted with all the wilder conversation, and I, mm. I, just, I just wonder if he's – is he looking past Joseph Parker at all? And if the reports are true – that Parker had surgery and he's improved his punching power, could Joshua be overlooking him? That's a question I have. Um, And getting on to the elephant in the room, um, I do think the fight is going to happen, but on the other hand it makes me sick that it's going to happen because I do think that if people were doing their jobs correctly – you know, this fight shouldn't be happening. Canelo should be punished, but Bob Bennett and the Nevada State Athletic Commission is not going to allow this gate to disappear. They're not going to lose this date. M- money is the important factor here. So, 
he'll probably get a slap on the wrist. And I read somewhere that Canelo doesn't even have to be at the hearing on April 10th. Now, I don't know if that's true, but if he doesn't even have to show up to defend himself, then I view this hearing as a publicity stunt. Yeah, I, I think it's part of the rubber stamp process. That's that. Yeah. Bad. Yeah, I, w- I would just want to address one thing you said. Uh, I, I, I agree with what you said. You guys got to show up. Okay. I mean, that's just disrespectful. But uh, to the point about Joshua being distracted by talking about Wilder, keep in mind a lot of times that, you know, in things that we see in interviews we see, it's the reporters that control the narrative because they're the ones asking questions that he's answering. So they may be preoccupied with Wilder, and he might be watching tape of Joseph Parker. Well, that that's true, Gabe. Uh and um, getting to another point, Steve, I've I've followed boxing since the first Ali Frazier fight, March eighth, nineteen seventy one. I, I grew up with Muhammad Ali. I, I remember how many times each year he fought, and that's what attracted me to Triple G as a as a boxing fan. Even though I do a podcast now, just like you do, you know, I've got to be objective. I love and respect what Tom and Triple G are doing. But after this fight, don't talk about a third fight. Don't yeah. talk about don't talk about a fourth fight, even though they're money making events. Uh, uh, fight Daniel Jacobs again. Give him a rematch that he deserves. Fight Billy Joe Saunders. Go for the go for that last belt. Give Charlo the fight that that he will probably eventually earn. You cannot. Allow yourself to be held hostage by um, Canelo Alvarez. I mean, I respect what Tom and Triple G have accomplished. They've got to think about their futures, not Canelo's and Golden Boys. Robbie, I do not disagree. Thank you for the call. Gabe, who's next? Great stuff. Uh, let's go 954. No, uh, 510. You're live on the next round. Hey, Gabe. Hey, Steve. It's Ben Richard. How are you guys doing? Good, what's up? Hey, what's up? Good. Um, getting back to oh, you guys talking about the Ramirez fight on uh, Golden Boy, I actually thought it was a good stoppage, to be honest. I saw somebody with their head around their waist getting punched in the back of the head repeatedly without defending themselves. Well, then that's a foul. No, well, wait a minute. Then, then, then the referee should have said, wait a minute, that's a foul. You're, you're not allowed well, to, like, grab a punch. But uh, he was kind of like out his body. He wasn't in control of his body, though. That's the thing. He was like, looked like he was about to fall over. You know, so he, not necessarily in the back of the head, but the side of the head, the ear area. And I just saw a guy wasn't yeah. defending himself. And, yeah, you know, he didn't get knocked down, but I saw a guy wasn't defending himself and was getting hit repeatedly in the back of the head in an awkward position. So I, I really did not have a, a problem with that stoppage at all. In fact, I thought it was a good stoppage. But, you know, hmm. you can disagree or disagree. I, I, thought it was a good, I thought it was a good stoppage. I had, I had never seen either one guy fight before. I had no uh, horse in the race. I just thought it was a good stoppage. Um I heard the two earlier. I heard you guys uh, bring up Phil Jackson. That's exactly who I yeah. think of when I think of uh, Abel Sanchez, because it seems like he's trying to uh, uh, try to get like two roosters to fight each other. You know, like he's been begging Canelo to fight like toe to toe with Triple G. All going back to like last week's uh, press conference they had together. You know, he was like trying to he's trying to go him into uh, going toe to toe, and I think he's making a big. De- I mean, it's a big deal. Don't get me wrong. Positive test. Uh, in fact, I think Canelo did cheat. You know, when it comes to that, to be honest, uh, I, th- I think he did take the the supplements for for uh, illegal purposes. But there's a part of me that thinks that Abel's like really playing it up. To, one, he gets he gets his guy motivated, and two, he gets uh, Canelo to go in there toe to toe. You know, 
So I think he's pulling a little bit of a Phil Jackson move. And and Tom Loeffler, I mean, it doesn't sound like he's all that concerned with it either. In reality, he's already talking about, you know, rematch, rematches, four or five fights. It doesn't sound like he's all that concerned with it either. You know, I also feel like Triple G's getting wound up for no good reason, you know. You know, I don't know. And another big issue I have too with, and I don't have an issue with them going after Canelo. Like I said, the Canelo did cheat. I have a huge issue with Triple G going after De La Hoya. De La Hoya's been yeah, I don't know what two that, that was. Of steroids. I didn't know yeah. what that was. That was that was unhinged. You shouldn't uh, that that was bizarre. I, I was like, what does Oscar have to do with anything? I mean, you could say that Golden Boy tilted the field, but you know, Oscar as a fighter, I don't know. <sighs> that has nothing yeah. to do with anything right now. If you're taking a shot at the way he parties, I mean, hey, that's his business, you know. Uh, that has nothing to do with anything, however you feel about it, you know. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really understand that. But, you know, I think to, to, about Tom, uh, I wouldn't play poker with Tom because he, he apparently has one of the great <laughs> poker faces. You know, he just he's, – he's all business. And, oh, uh, I think we lost Fernando. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, he's, he's always kind of keeps it close to the vest. Uh, as he should, you know. So every promoter has a different personality, and that's Tom's. He's the businessman, or you, I think you've called him the diplomat. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's zip down to 703. You're live on the next round. Gentlemen, CJ from D.C., how you CJ, talk to us. Hey, real quick, I, two questions here for you. Um, I, mean, I got a question regarding the Dillian White. Do you guys think um, with – Al Heyman obviously controlling Deontay, and then him fighting Dillian White would be a non-Heyman fighter, which I think would cause a lot of issues. But Hearn having the ability to outbid if it were to go to a purse bid, meaning the WBC would get a bigger sanction and fee, do you think that that might overcome the obstacle in getting that fight done? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because you're right. If it's a regular purse split, it would be 75-25, but then if Hearn did win the purse bid and with this huge payday and windfall that Wilder would get, there is a downside. He might have to go to Wembley Stadium or somewhere else in Britain. Maybe he doesn't want to do that. So, I mean, there is a yeah. trade-off here. Yeah. That's a dangerous and, and, fight for everybody. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, people, do, do you think it's an even fight, Wilder-White? No, I, I would make Wilder the favorite, but I, listen, Dillian White by today's standards, he's a pretty good heavyweight. Yeah, pretty I, good I'd heavyweight. Like fight for Wilder. It's a kind of test. I think it could if he if Wilder wins in an exciting fashion, uh, which I don't see how that fight couldn't be exciting. Uh, that could only be good for the bottom line of Joshua Wilder, but it's also a dangerous fight for that fight. Yeah. Um, my last question is the Horn. Crawford fight. Is that going to be exclusively on the ESPN app? You know what? Uh, they are still trying to figure out the distribution of that whole thing. I've talked to some people. They don't know yet. Um, by the way, that fight is going to go right up against the Leo Santa Cruz Abner Mares rematch. So, I, you know, it's a, it's a busy night of boxing that day. A rematch still, that shouldn't even be happened. Well, yeah, you could say that, but, <laughs> you know, again, that, that, that's another argument. But they are still trying to figure out, because a big component, and we spoke about it last week, Gabe, is that when a fight's on ESPN, every sports bar and pub across the country generally has ESPN on at least one television. You're losing that if it's strictly the app. Yeah, I don't understand why. And I, if I'm Terrence Crawford, I, I wouldn't want to be the test pilot for this one. Let a prospect be a test pilot for this thing, but not an established guy who's 
you know, eschewing pay-per-view for, for this, you know, app thing, you know, I, I don't know. It's, 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 and I'm a cord cutter. So it's like, I, you know, have to pay for, to, to get ESPN. I've got YouTube TV. Now they're going to add this app. That's an extra, you know, five bucks. I mean, I want to support the sport, but they got to figure out what kind of fights are going to be on there. CJ, anything else? That's all I got. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Gabe, who's next? Um, let's go. Nine five four. You're live on the next round. Nine hey, five gentlemen, four. I'm gonna use my uh, I'm gonna use my second constitutional right, and I'm gonna go bra rapid fires. Eduardo from Tennessee. Oh, please do. Uh, Let it go. Let it go. And I'm in Puerto Rico. Here he goes. Here he goes. People, boxing fans are the most fecal people in the world. Our country, like boxing, is a republic. The difference between a, a republic and a democracy is that we have constitutional rights and we go by the rules and regulation of boxing or whichever belt. The minority will not dictate, myself included, because I want to clean sport, so I can't be hypocritical. We want to clean sport, but we want blood. We want action. We want danger. We want to see flesh pounding chaos and mayhem. Boom. Two. Triple G needs his fight. He needs a scalp. He needs a big name. Take the fight. Boom. I've been here for two days. Uh, my son helped me train my, my uh, Tito's, Tito's uh, uncle. I just finished hanging out with him. Puerto Rico is deflated after the, the uh, Felix Verlejo fight. They're deflated. The posters are down. Jeez. They're only looking forward to the WBC, the World Baseball Classic. It is really sad here, and I've been up and down. It's that is really not WEPA. That is not WEPA. Jeez. Not WEPA, but there it is, baby. Bam. I love you guys. Oh, thank you. That was that was fast. That was fast. I like that. I, yeah, I, I, I told you, I told you it was automatic, automatic, because I knew you were running out of time, so I don't want to take up too much time. You know what I mean? Love you guys. Rocky Top, King. Rocky Top, baby. Viva Puerto Rico. Rocky Top. Oh, that's our boy, uh, Eduardo Perron. Toronto. He's back. Yeah. Don't don't, He's don't back. call it a He's, comeback. He's globe trotting. Uh, yeah. Let's go uh, eight six zero to close it out. We got uh, a little under three minutes. You're live on the next round. Hey, how you guys doing? It's CT. I'll just make it. CT, quick. the stage is yours. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to okay, rush. You got, uh, you got two two uh, minutes and forty seconds, so just chill. Take your time. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, I'm going with Joseph Parker this weekend. Um, I really think stylistically, I think he gives. Yeah, I think he gives Joshua problems. Um, I think his movement, his uh, speed with his hands, and I think during the mid to late rounds, I think Joshua will find his rhythm, meaning his own rhythm, being hard to uh, catch up to Joseph Parker's rhythm. Uh, I think uh, with him trying to, you know, lose weight and muscle mass, I think that's going to uh, give Parker the edge. I think he has underrated boxing ability, and I really think his move, just overall, his movement and his combinations with speed is going to give Joshua a lot of problems. And I could see Joshua getting fatigued lately, and that's when Parker turns it on late, and I, I can see a late stoppage. Ooh, so you're going with Joseph Parker. That is bold. That is bold. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I think it'll be interesting early. I think uh, Parker will have to, you know, uh, stay away for a while because I think Joshua throws quick combinations, but he throws in spurts. So I think, you know, Parker will have to stick to a game plan and stay out of danger for a little while and then come on late. Wow. All okay. Right. You you are on the record there, CT. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Anything else? No, that's about it. I'll be on next, okay. weekend, uh, next week. Thank you very much. All right, let's take in one more call. Quick hitter here. All right. 
Uh, let's go 917. You're live on the next round. Oh, I made it. Gabe, Steve, how are you doing? Go real quick. you got that? about 75 seconds. Let it off. <laughs> cool, cool. It's Eric from Queens. And um, What's up? I just wanted to talk about the, um, the fact that how, you know, Golovkin is talking a little spicy there. I think that that does nothing but actually help the fight coming up because uh, we've never seen Golovkin talk crazy. You know, and that, uh, all I think that does is help the fight. And, and Canelo, he's acting like a little bitch. Like, I think, yeah, I think the only thing he took from that, any experience he took from that fight with Mayweather is is how to be a diva. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I like I think what it does, looks like when you're dictating the terms. Yeah, no doubt. Right. So, yeah, I, I think it does nothing but help the fight. And um, uh, what you call it, the, um... Mayweather, you guys were talking earlier about whether he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Of course he belongs in the Hall of Fame, but I do agree with the guy that he barely ever fought anybody in their prime. Maybe Diego Corrales, Castillo, that's it. And uh, I remember I remember, uh, I was off on Mayweather ever since.